Welcome to Retire Smarter with Kevin Krosky. Find answers to your toughest questions and get educated about the financial world. It's time to retire smarter. Thanks for being with us for another edition of Retire Smarter. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Kevin Krosky. He's the president and wealth advisor at True Wealth Design, serving you with offices in Akron, Canfield, and throughout Northeast Ohio. You can find us online by going to truewealthdesign.com. And don't forget, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can access us through the uh, Spotify app as well if you like to use that. Tune in, Stitcher, all those good ones. And if there's one that you particularly like that we aren't on for some reason, we're not in the the store of your favorite podcasting app, just let us know and uh, we'll get it submitted there. You can let us know by going to truewealthdesign.com and contacting us through the webpage. And uh, we'll certainly be able to get that on any platform that you desire. Kevin, great to chat with you once again. I can't believe we're finally here. Part number five, our final episode in this series that we're doing on retirement income planning yes here we are we uh we've been talking about i'm not gonna do a full recap if uh, anybody's just coming into this episode and maybe a first-time listener one we're happy to have you but if you're just kind of diving in mid-series actually the last episode had a fairly lengthy recap of the prior ones uh, although uh, i'm sure everybody's going to want to go back and listen to uh to every single minute of, the, of, of every podcast right at least maybe my mom will. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what we're going to talk about today is kind of put a button on everything that we've gone over in the series. And one of the things that I had mentioned a few times was that, you know, guarantees for retirement income sound great. You know, who wouldn't want that? But then we talked about, you know, following more investing type framework and uh, outlined some of the, the issues with that. But what I'm going to do today is really measure and reference some things about how expensive these guarantees really are. And then, you know, hopefully make it clear to somebody the choice and the trade-off. And so they can help determine whether or not it's worthwhile to them. Well, that trade-off is really what grabbed my attention at the end of, of the last episode when we were specifically talking about spending and why somebody would want to, you know, go the route of saying, yeah, I've got to be dynamic with my spending in retirement because things go up and go down. Well, some people get nervous about that or they get uncomfortable with that concept, that idea. And so when the marketing message of guarantees, guaranteed income and the like, come across the screen or across the uh, radio airwaves, you know, people tend to pay very close attention. Or as you've mentioned in the past, Kevin, maybe it's uh, through the mail, through the mailbox, getting, you know, flyers and leaflets talking about guaranteed income and the benefits of that kind of income in your portfolio. And maybe it's the sort of the magic bullet to this big retirement planning question. In any event, it draws a lot of attention from folks. And so I'm interested to hear your take on what that trade-off looks like. Is going for the guarantee worthwhile or is the expense of getting that surety something that, you know, really needs to be highlighted here? So take us in the right direction. Sure. So if we're talking about guarantees, we are talking about insurance. And as I've mentioned, you know, we all have some social security benefit, some people are fortunate to have a pension benefit of maybe a sizable one. So there's already guaranteed income there. So smart decisions already need to be made there on how to best claim those. But then, you know, for the additional monies that you've accumulated, anything that we're talking about is buying additional guaranteed income. 
And typically that's through some sort of annuity. You know, we've had a couple prior podcast episodes where we talked about, I think the title was the myth of the no cost fixed annuity. And then we also uh, then took variable annuities out to the woodshed uh, immediately after and just talked about some of the problems and some of the high costs and outlined a lot of the same things that we're going to talk about today, but this is going to come at it from a different angle and specifically at the retirement income. And these annuities, you know, there's been annuities have been around for literally hundreds of years and they were very simple ones. We've gotten fancier ones, if you will, over the last 20 years or so. And I'm not going to, anybody that wants to better kind of understand these different forms of annuities, you know, go back and listen to those prior podcasts. But what we're going to talk about today are the ones that are most commonly sold today are these, they're deferred annuities. So they are basically, you know, you put money into it and hopefully it grows, but there's also this kind of this hypothetical account of it's called an income account. And there's a a rider attached to the annuity rider is just kind of an insurance contract term where there's some additional benefit. And so on, on one hand you have this, you know, kind of the cash that's in the annuity. And on the other hand, you have this hypothetical income account. And most annuities today are sold with what's called a guaranteed living withdrawal benefit. So basically, you know, you can get to age, say, 60, husband and wife, and you can start pulling out 4.5% of whatever the income account value is, not the cash account, but the income account value for your lifetimes. And so we talked about that in detail, most notably on that variable annuity episode. But again, we're going to look at it a little bit differently today. And I think I have a pretty simple example to think about this. So Walter, you recently, if I recall, you bought a new home with your wife, right? And I think you guys yep. are maybe even kind of fixing it up. And I've got paint all over my arms as we speak today, in <laughs> fact, from, from, from the all weekend's right. painting uh, extravaganza. Yes. <laughs> good man. Good man. So whenever you got that house, uh, I imagine you had to have insurance on it. Particularly, I know you did if you have a mortgage on it. So do you have insurance on your home walls? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Now, do you expect to profit from that insurance? Or said another way, do you expect your house to burn down and you get more <laughs> insurance money than what the home is worth? No, not an expectation I'm taking into it. Right. So, and that's how it works with, with all insurance. You're transferring risks. You don't expect to profit from it. Said another way, the same thing goes for casinos. You know, there may be people that you know that have gone to Vegas and have won and <laughs> maybe with selective memory, they tell you about the hand or, or pot that they won, but <laughs> don't necessarily tell you about the cumulative amount of losses and how that greatly outweigh the win that they had. But as long as you play enough, it's called the law of large numbers. The casino is going to win. The house is going to win. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in business. And the same too goes for these insurance companies, whether it's insurance on your house, whether it's insurance on your car, whether it's health insurance, whatever, you know, there's going to be a cost for the insurance. And on average, whoever buys insurance is a net loser because if they were a net winner on average, there would be no such thing as an insurance company. So that's the important thing to remember. I think it's simpler to understand all this stuff because if anybody has ever been pitched an annuity, it gets complicated. I like to tell the story of a client who's a contract attorney and had two of these things that they brought into my office before we started working together. And he said, I'm a contract attorney and I have no idea what these contracts say. (laughs) Uh, So there's all kinds of bells and whistles. It's created from the marketing department to be sellable. But what we're going to try to do today is just kind of give the straight truth. And I think the overarching principle is insurance has a cost to it. You're transferring risk. And for that 
transference, you know, the insurance company is going to pull the risk. But on average, anybody who is buying insurance should expect to lose by the amount of what they pay for the insurance. Pretty logical. Fair statement, Walter. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I like viewing it through the lens of you know either life insurance or the homeowner's insurance. Viewing it through that lens kind of opens up the eyes a little bit more. All right. So now that we have that simple overarching principle, so that may be okay, right? So we have this idea of a guarantee. On average, we're going to be a net loser. But now that I understand that and it makes sense, is that still okay? Well, let's put in context some of the anticipated costs of the insurance because if it's insurance that hey you know i'm not getting charged an arm and a leg for that may be okay if it's really expensive insurance then maybe it's not worth it to me so we got to provide some context as to cost so here's where i got to kind of get a little wonky so forgive the numbers but this is probably the best at least the best way that i thought of to do this so there's a gentleman by the name of dr wade fowl he is currently at the american college in pennsylvania and he is professor of retirement income. So we're talking about retirement income. We're talking to the professor. And he's done a lot of studies over the years. What I'm referencing is specifically a 2011 paper that he did. And what most of these studies from Dr. Fow or from others that have studied this, these writers have been around for about 20 years now. And so if you have a withdrawal plan for retirees, so you know you get in, you cut the cord from work, you go ahead and you already have this beautiful plan that you put together, maybe with the help of your well-informed advisor and is guiding you through this transition process. You made some smart decisions on social security and on your pension if you have it. You stress tested your plan, you really measured the rate of return that you need, you're making sure that you're not kind of leading with the chin and taking too much risk with the investment portfolio. And now you're going to start, you know, selling some stuff in retirement. So if you think about what stocks and bonds do, they kick off some income. So it's naturally generating some cash. And then on top of it, well, you know, maybe investment A or investment B is going to do better than the other one. And so if you need money for the next couple of months, you're going to sell the thing that did better. So you kind of keep your overall proportions and align with where you want to be. And that is something simply called a systematic withdrawal plan. So you're going to have this portfolio of investments, stocks, bonds, real estate, what have you, you know, in this beautifully constructed, low cost, well diversified portfolio. And you're systematically month by month, quarter by quarter, going to go ahead and take the cash that's naturally being kicked off and selling some of the things that do a little bit better than other things in the portfolio to go ahead and generate the income that you need to go ahead and live the life that you want. And so that's the systematic withdrawal plan. And what Dr. Fowl and all these other studies have done is compare that plan versus having an annuity, an insurance-based strategy with this underlying guarantee. And really, again, the benefit, go back and listen to the prior podcast episode on the variable annuity, but why do people buy guarantees? Uh, one word is fear. They're scared that they're going to retire and you know, 2008 is going to happen and they're going to run out of money. And so they say, well, I don't like that. Fear is not good. Please solve my fear problem. I'm going to buy this guaranteed income. But again, we're trying to go ahead and say, okay, that guarantee has a cost. And now we're talking about how much does that cost really so we can make a more informed decision. So what Dr. Fow did in 2011 was compare the guaranteed approach versus the non-guaranteed approach. And he did 
basically over a 30 year period. So say if you're retiring at say 62, you know, you live to your early nineties and making sure that your money lasted over these 30 year periods. And he went all the way back to 1926, which is really when we start having really good data, historically speaking. And I think that's important. We'll kind of talk about non-historical data in a moment, but going back over the last ballpark hundred years for stock and bond returns and measuring, you know, hey, did the systematic withdrawal plan work? If it didn't, when? And uh, if the insurance or guaranteed base approach, when did that do better? And he had to have some assumptions on here for the the guaranteed base strategy too. And he picked some very favorable ones uh, that I'll comment on a little bit more in detail, but basically a low cost assumption on this annuity, which you know, frankly isn't really what's sold out there more often than not. But what he found was over a 30 year period. So you have somebody retiring in 1926, living 30 years, and then somebody retiring in 1927, living 30 years. And he did this actually with every quarter. So you kind of come up with this whole series of 30 year periods over that time. And what he found was that, you know, even though you had the Great Depression in the late 1920s, even though you had interest rates rising a good bit, you know, after the post-World War II boom, you know, in the late 1960s through the 1970s, you had 1973, 1974, where the oil embargo happened, stock prices went down by half and bond returns were very poor because the interest rates were rising over that time period. So even though you had some of these really, really bad time periods in US market, stock market history, what he found was the systematic withdrawal plan beat the guaranteed withdrawal plan every single time throughout history. You know what I say to that, Walter? Bravo. Perfection is quite a good record. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a bold, I mean, that's an impressive statement to show that kind of comparison. And we're not yeah, and we're not so, talking like so 80 80 20 or 70 30 split here. No, we're not. And so when you hear that and it's like okay, well what what are you really providing insurance on if you have a fireproof house and you're selling fire insurance, well, yeah, you're going to have a perfection record there as well. Yeah. But when you look and we've talked about this in prior episodes, but when you look at history, you know, history is a good starting point when you're talking about investment returns, but it certainly is a little bit short when you're talking about what the returns are going to be in the future because, you know, past is not necessarily prologue. So maybe history is not going to repeat itself. Maybe you're going to live longer than 30 years. Maybe you're going to, you know, beat the odds. Maybe you're going to be like 40 or 45 years in retirement and need income a lot longer. Maybe those investment returns that we had since 1926 are going to be lower, both in stocks or bonds. Or, you know, maybe the underlying guarantee will allow you to go ahead and stay more disciplined through market downturns. You know, maybe rather than if you went through 2008, and I'm happy to say this didn't happen to any of our clients, but going through 2008 and when you see your money go down by half, if you have a lot of stocks in the portfolio, you're going to feel some pain, no doubt about it, particularly if you're in retirement and don't have a paycheck coming in from work. So what a lot of people do, and this is bad investor behavior that happens time and time again, but they panic out. They say, you know, I'm going to sit this one out. I'm just going to wait on the sidelines or I'm going to move over here and I'm going to put a Band-Aid on this big piece of pain that I have that's causing me a lot of fear about the future. And they do that and inevitably that bad investor behavior causes them financial harm because they don't stay invested and they lose out on the rebound. They took the risk and they don't stick around for the return. 
again, thankfully that didn't happen to any of our clients in 2008. We had one client who lowered his risk and I said, you know, that's fine, but we shouldn't be kind of doing this willy nilly where we're just going to lower it and then we're going to raise it again down the road. We have to be at a level that you feel comfortable with. And so I was pretty happy with the record that we had there, but you know, it's reasonable to say, and in fact, studies have shown that people with guarantees on their portfolio do tend to have a higher stock allocation within these variable annuities that they have. So I think that's pretty reasonable. So where Wade Fowle looked back on history and went back to 1926, there's another very smart gentleman who is the head of retirement research at Morningstar, and his name is David Blanchett. And he did a study after Fowle. And he considered a lot of these possibilities. And most notably, this was forward looking. So Dr. Wade Fowle was historical, was looking in the rearview mirror. David Blanchett looked at all of these. He said, well, I don't want to say all of them. That, that implies uh, everything. And we didn't certainly talk about all the variables, but we talked a lot about it, the key ones. And what Blanchett did, he said, you know, what about if people live longer? What about if returns are lower? He also used some pretty favorable assumptions for a low-cost guaranteed annuity, which, again, is not what's typically sold there out there in the marketplace. But even in light of all of those, he reaffirmed Wade Fowle's conclusion that taking withdrawals on a systematic basis, so again, not using insurance, but using stocks, bonds, real estate, what have you in a portfolio, and just selling a little bit over time to meet the cash flow that you need has a very high probability and what he estimated about 93% for couples of better outcomes. So only in 7% of the instances would the guaranteed based approach work out better than the systematic withdrawal approach. And again, this is forward looking, factoring in that people may live longer, that returns could be lower, but also using some pretty favorable cost assumptions for what is typically a high cost variable annuity. So whether you're looking at history and you say, hey, that record is perfection, that the non-guaranteed plan always works better, or whether you're looking forward under some pretty reasonable slash favorable assumptions for the annuity and you have a 93% success, no matter how you strike it, you know the insurance is going to have a cost. And that's exactly what these studies are showing. And that's why the systematic withdrawal plan tends to work better and can be expected to work better going forward. To take it one step further and put a number on it, as I alluded to, David Blanchett estimated that the net cost of the guarantee was about 7.5% of the dollars invested into the couple's annuity. Let's think about that for a moment. So suppose that you know, you're 60 years old, you went and put together your plan and you're debating, you know, after the, you have this beautifully constructed financial plan, you went ahead and made smart decisions on the pension and social security and you stress tested your plan. And now you're making this decision of, well, with some or all of my savings and investments, I'm only going to go ahead and follow more of a, an insurance based or guaranteed based approach to derive my retirement income or am I okay with a probability approach and investing in diversified low cost fashion? Well, if you're going to put a million dollars, if you have a million dollars, basically, and you're going to put in either one of these strategies, what Blanchett estimated is you're going to have to write a separate check for the guarantee to the tune of about $80,000. So that's what it's going to cost you to go ahead and provide that peace of mind, another $80,000. And it's only going to pay off per Blanchett study in about 7% of the time. So it's a fairly low probability event that it's the insurance is going to pay off for you. So if 
insurance companies price their product this way. If it didn't come out of the marketing department and kind of go through some sort of sales test, like, hey, this feature, does this marketing brochure look good? How are we going to go ahead and put some lipstick on this pig? I mean, make this product sound attractive. If you actually just went ahead and had to write a check and make it very explicit for what the cost of the guarantee is, and you had a million dollars, you're writing a separate check for 80 grand to that insurance company for the guarantee. And Walter, I would submit that if people, if these products were actually priced that way, in that explicit nature, I could pretty much predict how many would be sold and it'd be darn close to zero. Yeah. Yeah. You'd start dropping in uh, percentages of people's portfolios in quite a big way if you looked at it through that different lens. That's what I find so interesting about this conversation, not just today's podcast, but all five that we've had in this retirement income planning series, Kevin, is that, you know, and this is why I guess you called the show Retire Smarter, right? I mean, the messaging, the marketing that's out there from the financial realm doesn't always match up with what's truly in the best interest of an investor. And on purpose, that sometimes is a really hard road to figure out, untangle, and, and navigate through. I completely agree. I mean, I think all the ideas that we put stock in behind the recommendations that we make for clients don't come out of the marketing department of some company. They come out of the research department of a company or out of all the fine academic institutions, not only the US, but across the world on what works and what doesn't when it comes to retirement, when it comes to investing, when it comes to retirement income. We need to first start there and follow this more science-based approach as to what works and what doesn't before we get into the qualitative decisions. Because if you're just coming out and looking at it, say, oh, guaranteed income, that sounds good. Yeah, I did not like 2008. Well, it's logical for a lot of people to go ahead and say, yeah, sign me up. And you see you know, hundreds of millions of dollars going into these variable annuities and into these index annuities with these riders for that. But we want to make this choice and this trade-off very clear for our clients, for any of the people that are listening today. So we're not saying that the guarantees are bad, but on average, you should expect to lose from them. And on average, Blanchett and other studies, and again, I think the Blanchett study is a little bit more pro-annuity. There's some favorable cost assumptions that are there. But on average, you're going to have to go ahead and write a check for every million dollars that you're going to invest, another $80,000. So just think about it that way. That's the way that you should think about it because that's really what the true cost is. Now, it could pay off or could not. I would submit, and this is you know, this is how we do business because, you know, we just think it's the right way. We follow that science-based approach and that's where the science leads us. But we go ahead and we want to, we believe there's better ways to do it. And some of it may feel like it's a little bit more complicated. You know, the prior episode we talked about, you know, hey, we got to, you know, keep an eye on this. It's like, you know, if you have a flower bed, you need to go out and you may need to go ahead and prune the flowers for them to grow back even stronger. Or if you have a piece of equipment or we all have vehicles, right? You have to take it in for some maintenance. So does your financial life plan. So does your investment portfolio. So does your retirement income plan, particularly if you're not going down this more guaranteed based approach. But if you can do that, and particularly if you have somebody that is good, that is technically competent, that is trustworthy, that somebody that you feel that you have a rapport with that can be that guide for you and help you make these smarter decisions, more likely than not, you're going to end up in a better place financially and probably emotionally as well. You're going to have greater peace of mind than if you buy one of these annuities. I can tell you, in my it's not like we have a ton of clients that have these annuities. We certainly don't have any that any variable annuities anyway that we recommended to people. We do have some immediate annuities 
kind of a conversation for another day, but they're much lower cost and much clearer for people to understand. And frankly, we use them as a bit of a bond alternative for some of our retirement income plans for our really conservative clients. But people that I found, they don't understand these variable annuities because again, just like the contract attorney, they don't understand what the heck's going on within it. And when you call customer service, that is a euphemism for a black hole. And, you know, then they come to us and literally we've been paid by several people over the years just to go ahead and look at this annuity that they have that they're not sure what the heck to do with because the person that sold them the annuity isn't around anymore. They went around and found some other high commission that they could go out and get rather than provide planning for somebody that they already sold this product to. And so even though somebody starts off with this good intention of, hey, I like this guaranteed income, I'm going to go ahead and do this. There's still all this other complexity about how you're actually going to go ahead and take it when you're going to turn it on. If you're not doing it with all your money, how you're going to kind of fit in other components of your plan. So what seemed like a really well-intentioned decision up front to go ahead and simplify their life actually ends up leading to even more complexity than having kind of a non-guarantee type plan that we're firm believers in for all the science-based evidence that we've researched and we've alluded to uh, during our time together on this podcast. Well, so many moving parts when it comes to putting together your portfolio and your financial plan. It's difficult sometimes to be aware of these other kind of motivations that are out there. You know, sometimes we have blinders on. We're so focused on our situation, we forget to ask the question of why. And I think that this podcast does that very well, Kevin. We ask the question, why are things like this in the financial world? And we got to the bottom of a lot of things over these past five episodes as we've walked through this this conversation of retirement income planning and the importance of it. So I know if you're listening to this show, if you've heard all five of them, wonderful. Thank you for tuning in. If you've only heard one or two of the series, invite you to go back and listen to the rest of them as well. It'll be well worth your time to invest into it. If you're thinking after listening to one or more of this series, do I have a plan that's dynamic like we talked about on the last episode? Do I have a plan that you know relies too much on these guarantees and overemphasizes them? Is that of a concern to me? Reach out. Talk to Kevin about your plan. He has a great team there at True Wealth Design serving you throughout Northeast Ohio, and they can go over all the details of your plan. You can tell there's a lot of attention to detail here on the podcast. That's even more so when you come in and meet and talk about your specific situation, because we all know, since we've used a lot of sayings over the last couple of weeks on this podcast, the devil's in the details. And so we want to make sure that we get to the bottom of what's motivating you and your plan, and how can we make sure that it's best designed for you. If you've got questions like that about anything we've talked about, give a call 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855-TWD-PLAN. Or you can go online to truewealthdesign.com. That's truewealthdesign.com and contact the team through the website as well. Kevin, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed walking through this series with you. Very educational. Shared some really cool facts as well, kind of peeling behind the curtain. I feel like we're at the end of The Wizard of Oz and the curtain has been peeled back (laughs) just a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I don't know if I'm the wizard. But nonetheless, hopefully we provided, I think, from the framework of just, you know, you got all these decisions to make. But after you have that good plan, am I going to follow an insurance-based approach or an investing-based approach? And if I like the insurance, you know, how much is it likely to cost me? You know, it's all about bringing clarity to these decisions that people have to make. We make a recommendation, but then ultimately, you know, whoever we're recommending that to, they have to make a decision that they're comfortable with. So it's our job to do all these details, but then to give them 
more often than not, kind of the Cliff Notes version in a very clear and concise manner so they can make an informed decision and feel good about that decision. So if somebody's looking for that help, we're certainly happy to talk with them. Again, 855-TWD-PLAN, the number to call, or online as always at truewealthdesign.com. Well, Kevin, take a breath. Get ready for the next podcast. We can close the book on this series, but I know you'll have something good on the agenda for us next time around. Looking forward to it, Walter. Thank you. Well, thank you, Kevin. And we look forward to another conversation with you around the corner. Thank you for joining us as well. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. For Kevin Krosky, I'm Walter Storhold. We will talk to you next time right back here on Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.